Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing and Happy New Year. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. I can't think of a better episode to kick off 2022 than with Ashley Guerra, a product marketing manager at SecureLink, as it's always fun to get a fresh perspective on the product marketing career from someone who is newer to the space. Ashley shares her journey and how she's leaned into her past experiences to get where she is today. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm here today with Ashley Guerra, one of the finalists of the Product Marketing Alliance's Product Marketing Newcomer of the Year. Ashley just started as a PMM at SecureLink just a few months ago, and prior to this, she has held roles in product marketing, demand gen, digital media, social media, as well as marketing operations. That's quite a treasure trove of marketing roles. We can't wait to dig in with her on her fresh perspective as she has recently become a product marketer. Welcome, Ashley. So happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's kick off with our favorite question for season three, which is what is something that you are the most proud of? Oh gosh, this is a tough one, mostly because I think for me in particular, kind of my outlook on life is you are a product of your experiences. And I think every professional experience that I've had, even the most challenging, have really kind of made me who I am. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that journey. But if I had to pick one thing, I think a real kind of moment that catapulted me into this next phase in my career was actually January of 2020. I won a marketer of the year award and it was really unexpected for me. And I think a lot of young women, like when you're kind of early to the middle of your career, there's just a, a naturally a, a lot of self-doubt that comes in and you're just kind of unsure, like, am I doing as well as I think I'm doing, or how am I stacking up against you know, the rest of the, the world out there? And I don't know, just winning that award and having that moment of like, wow, okay, I am actually an expert in this area. I am making progress just really gave me a ton of confidence to move forward and make career changes, like becoming a product marketer. So I think that's kind of the one defining moment, but ultimately I'm proud of all of it because it all got me here today. Well, congratulations. That's certainly amazing. Who gave you the award and what did you win it for? Yes. So that was within the company I was working for at the time. And I think it was a panel of executives that put that together and and selected out of the entire marketing department who had the biggest impact. And yeah, so it was actually, if I'm being honest, probably a result of some real champions that I had, you know, other strong women leaders in in marketing who kind of took me under their wing and really contributed to my ability to be able to grow and push myself all throughout 2019, which was what I won the award for. So I'm super grateful to them. Megan, Michelle, if you're listening, thank you. That's so great. Well, it's such an honor to be recognized internally. And then now, obviously, you're starting to be recognized externally from the company yes. too, with organizations like the PMA. So on a great track, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, I know that you're a few months in the door at your new role at SecureLink. So I wanted to hear about the company, about your role as a product marketer there. Catch us up to speed. 
Yeah, so SecureLink is the leader in critical access management, and they've helped over 41,000 organizations across various industries solve for gaps in critical access with innovative solutions that work to govern, control, and monitor that access to protect critical systems and critical data against the risk of an increasingly interconnected world. Um, so super proud of the work that we're doing there. And within SecureLink, you know, I sit within the marketing team, particularly in the solutions and industry marketing team, where I'm focused on collaborating with other product marketers on the go-to-market strategy for our entire portfolio. That's amazing. And I understand this is your second product marketing role, right? Yes. Great. I'd love to talk about your journey. So you've held many marketing positions, worn many marketing hats. I'd love to hear more about the career to get to product marketing, to get to SecureLink, and what were some of the stops along the way? Yeah, well, it was definitely a very interesting journey, just because I feel like you kind of touched on this in the intro, have bounced around from lots of different specialties within marketing, but I really kind of set my sights on product marketing after being in my first enterprise software role. I was doing more demand gen, more paid advertising, social media. And I just remember being in lots of meetings with product marketers being like, wow, that sounds like fun. They're kind of setting the, the course for where we're going in terms of strategy and topics and themes, things were the way that we're positioning the products. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I loved being able to collaborate with them and started to kind of act as a sponge. I think moving into product marketing was easier for me because I did that internally with the organization that I was at first. And so I had a wonderful mentor, Adam O'Brien, who just really helped me realize that my ultimate career path that I want to take is being a CMO and, and leading an entire marketing team and getting that strategic experience from a product marketing perspective would be a huge key in me being able to do that and be successful. So he set my sights on that role and really helped me realize that it was just the next natural evolution for me. I love that you had this vision and that product marketing was a stepping stone to help you get there. So you're not just thinking about hey, this is the next role I want six months from now, but you're actually thinking about the 20-year plan and how, how to get that and how to build that foundation. That's amazing. So kind of tactically, it sounds like you had a champion. You talked to a lot of product marketers in your day-to-day -day job. How did you actually get the job? Was it an internal posting? Did you do any shadowing with other teams? I'd love to hear more about how you actually made the jump and, and what steps you took there. Yeah, so it was an internal posting. And like most things in life, if there's something that you want to do, you have to do a good job of relating where you are today and the experiences that you've had and see how can that make me successful in that next step. And for me, that's what I did. And I think ultimately that's what made me a better candidate than others and why I was chosen for that role. You know, it was my ability to be able to tie that all together. And again, thinking back to just really being a sponge and looking at your experience and your journey from a macro level and saying, wow, my experience in social media has really helped me understand the importance of keeping a pulse on where the market's at and how people are engaging online. And my experience in paid advertising has really helped me understand the importance in driving demand and how PMMs and demand gen operators can collaborate together. So for me, 
it was really being able to tie it all together and to, Hey, this would make me a good PMM. And you can do that wherever you are in your career. I think it's just a, a good way to approach change, you know, in general. That's so well said. And I often encourage people to do that too, is not necessarily look at the title, which you may or may not have had, but look at the job description. Do you fit 80% of that, even 60% of that? Do you have examples for how you have actually shown up for the things that they are asking for? Some of the key requirements as you described for product marketing and go for it. I love that you were able to package your past experience and really prove that you were the right person for the job. That's really brilliant. I think that, you know, as women, we are often less likely to do that. We only want to put ourselves out there if we know for sure that we are the perfect person for that. But that was such a game changer for me. And just realizing like, Hey, I know this is what I want. And if I'm willing to bet on myself and I can be prepared and position myself in the right way, other people will be willing to bet on me too. Yes. That is such a great point. And I think that we often talk on the podcast and there's a lot of stats out there about how men are a lot more willing to do that and say, I think I can do this a lot more confident about their abilities. And we think we need to have every check mark checked in in order to move and make that next step. I understand it's completely terrifying to not feel like you're the total master of your domain before you jump over. But I think it's something we should all really strive for is to be a little scared in your next yeah. role and your next position you know, being uncomfortable is how you grow. So it's a good thing to push yourself for. Absolutely. Were there any hurdles to getting the role that you anticipated or that were unanticipated either in this time or were there other times you tried to be a PMM and maybe it didn't work out? I would say, honestly, the biggest hurdle is making the choice to put yourself out there. (laughs) You know, that can be nerve wracking, especially because I was already being so successful within kind of the demand gen function. And so it was a safe space for me when it came to being a PMM. I think my biggest struggle again, was being able to navigate stepping back a little bit more and being less tactically focused. I think that's probably the, the biggest hurdle. And I'd also say, depending where you're coming from in your career and with your experience, being a product marketer is very different, especially today at any organization. So being able to have that flexibility is very important, especially depending on size. And, you know, is it more of a sales enablement based role or are you really working and aligning more closely with product? It does just look different everywhere. And you have to be proactive about figuring out what type of product marketing role you're really looking for so that you can be setting yourself up for success. Totally agree. And did you feel like there was anything you did during the interview process that helped you understand what type of product marketing role you were signing up for, or maybe even prior to that, because you got to know some folks beforehand? I read this quote back when I was doing my job search about they're not just interviewing you or interviewing them. And I really tried to take that mentality. And I don't think I've ever really adopted that mentality before in my career. I've definitely been more, you know, like me, choose me and kind of nod and smile through the rest. But I think this time around, what I really tried to focus on was asking a lot of questions. How do you function? What are your expectations for the team? What's your relationship with sales? Just being very prescriptive. I think I did have the benefit of collaborating with and understanding the PMM perspective beforehand. So I definitely had that going for me, but just being very direct with my questions in terms of how the PMM role is designed, what the expectations are, 
how it is aligned, the collaboration with other teams, even with other pieces of the marketing team. Especially now, we're starting to see solutions and industry marketing used more interchangeably with product marketing. So just being more prescriptive about the questions that I was asking, you know, so that I could get a better sense of what that role really looked like in practice versus kind of more of the higher level stuff that you normally get. What a gem of a comment that you are also interviewing them. I think that's so important, especially because it's really an interviewee's world right now. There's so many job oh, openings. We get to choose where we're going. And I think making sure you're happy with the scope of the role, let alone the culture of the company, you know, the team, the work-life balance, all the things that we really should think about and have a lot more autonomy to think about now in this market that we're in. So I'm glad you adopted that and we're able to really drive it home through the interview process too. That's really great. I know people love having conversations rather than just spending necessarily the whole time asking questions. They love to talk about themselves and their role usually too. So that must've been great to turn it on them a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, to your point, it's a shift in power. It's a shift in perspective and it just becomes a different conversation because then as a candidate, you can selectively choose the way that you position yourself and your responses to some of the more standard candidate questions based on what you know about the culture of the organization. So I I did try to squeeze those in kind of earlier in the conversation. So I still had time to be able to benefit from getting that information because I was more interested in the role or, you know, even if I didn't feel like there was strong alignment, I still felt like I was getting good practice. That's wonderful. And when you got into the product marketing world, it seems like you were very prepared and had a lot of meetings with product marketers, kind of knew what you're getting into, but were there any major surprises as you were starting off in the role? So I'd say the biggest surprise was how difficult it would be to become an expert in your product. You know, that's always such a challenge. And it's one that you're going to face anytime you change jobs or move into, you know, a different industry or support a different product. It really takes time to become that expert in the market, the competitive landscape, how important it is to give yourself grace during that period. As someone who likes to be a high performer and wants to come in and immediately have impact, especially when maybe you don't have as much experience in product marketing and you want to show your worth, that can be a bit of a struggle. But giving yourself grace, probably in general, but also in that particular situation, I think is really key because it really just does take time. Is there any advice you have for ramping up on the product as quickly as possible? I'm sure it's totally different in different realms, B2B enterprise. Sometimes it's harder to even get your hands on the software versus consumer (laughs) product. So I'd love to hear about your path and how you, once you realize that, oh, I got to learn this product, (laughs) how did you actually dive deep? I'd say it's a function, you know, depending on kind of new hire orientation at your organization, really trying to squeeze as much value out of that, at least making networking contacts with people, sales engineers, product people, um, ways that you can just kind of start to see the real hand application and definitely listening to sales calls is huge, right? Because you get to see how firsthand people are positioning the product out there, what the input from the customer side is and just better understanding how that conversation is had and the types of questions that are are being had. I think that's really important. And then obviously just trying to consume. And what I really tried to do the first four weeks when I started at SecureLink was just absorb. Yes, I have time to understand 
processes and internal ways in which we collaborate and work together. But I tried to lean a little bit more into the details, both of the product and the industry. And one really good tip is to set up Google alerts for industry-related terms, product names, or company, competitors. And it's just a really great way to make sure that that information is top of mind and add it to your morning scrolling or make it a part of your morning routine. That is a great tip. Yeah, it's always important to stay in touch with the industry. And the one thing I might add too is for me, at least I'm a learn by doing kind of person. So if there is any kind of demo or any type of account you can get your hands on, just playing around with the actual product and noting your first impressions and where things are clunky, where you think there could be feature enhancements, not necessarily to come with this huge laundry list to the product managers. They probably won't love you. A good debate, a healthy debate about the product and how, and being an expert, I think builds that confidence for you and the confidence others will have in you too. So that's great to hear all the different ways that you, you took advantage of learning more about the product. So when you started, you had the advantage of knowing a lot about marketing already and had specifically come from the demand gen world. Can you tell us about how that influenced your product marketing aptitude and how this really influenced your philosophy of becoming a product marketer overall? Yes, I would say it directly influenced it. Pretty much all of it. Like my ethos as a marketer in general is the more that you understand about how other pieces of marketing operate, the better you can do your job, whatever role that is. So if you're in social media and you don't know anything about product marketing, well, it's a really good idea to maybe set up some conversations with other people in that area, right? Just expanding your knowledge. You don't have to be an expert in anything other than your particular area, but push yourself to ask questions and absorb. So for me, you know, I really believe that in order to be a successful product marketer, you have to understand pretty well what demand gen and other kind of specific channels operate like and what it takes to be successful in those areas. You know, what are the critical KPIs? What are generally speaking the best strategies to do? Because ultimately good product marketing, like good marketing in general, it doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? You have to be able to take these concepts or these themes or, you know, this launch and pass the baton off to other people so that they can execute. You're passing off to sales so that they can go and close amazing deals and, and win everything in the market. You're passing off to demand gen so that they can drive demand and generate leads. And they are only going to be as successful as you set them up for. And so thinking of those particular touch points first and kind of wrapping that into your decision-making is a really important step and, and definitely something that I try to prioritize. That's such a good point. So understanding all of the different components of the teams you're working with, at least on a high level to understand maybe their motivations, their goals and KPIs, what they're all bringing to the table since product marketing, as you've mentioned, is such this kind of central role, having a clear direction of how each person is going to kind of play a role in that. And it's great that you already have the experience to map back to that. And I also think there's no dumb questions, right? So even as you're kind of getting to know the product or getting to know product marketing or interfacing with a team you might not be familiar with. There's always acronyms. There's always jargon that are going to be unfamiliar. Ask what that means or you're going to be lost. So that's, that's something that I've done too. That's been helpful when 
kind of bringing all the different pieces together too. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. And again, you know, just also using them as a resource, right? So when you're sitting down and planning, okay, I wouldn't want to be able to support this product launch for a particular feature. Sometimes you can get pretty far downstream and realize, oh, this product name actually means something else, or this acronym means something really bad that we don't want to use. And it's really inefficient and also, you know, a little almost like frustrating to get far down a process with the project and then realize that you have to kind of start over. So being able to use the expertise of, of other marketers, other channel owners, and kind of rope that into your planning and your strategy setting, I think that's like super important because it just makes it that much easier to be successful and why make it harder for yourself. Absolutely. And we were talking a little bit before the call started about how marketing has changed during COVID and working in kind of a virtual environment. Can you talk a little bit about that, either with product marketing or marketing in general, some changes that you've noticed? Yeah, well, I think particularly in the enterprise world, right, losing that face-to-face touch point was huge. And the companies, in, in my opinion, that have been the most successful are the ones that have always invested in kind of expanding their digital reach and really pushed themselves to be strong competitors and and players and from a digital perspective. The companies that have struggled were a bit more traditional in their marketing stacks. But one of the ways I feel like that's really affected me, A, in kind of getting involved with a new company I've never virtually onboarded before. So that was a whole new experience for me. And also kind of shifting to being more of a remote employee. But Really, the reality is that like a PMM today versus 10 years ago versus two years ago, pre-COVID, it's so different. So much of the job now is kind of what I was putting color on earlier in terms of being able to understand and execute from a digital perspective and really setting your campaigns and your messaging, your positioning, everything up to be successful. And that is the touch point. And it's not going anywhere either, right? We're only going to continue to do you know, more webinars and more sponsored content and, and more digitally focused things, even as we start to incorporate more face-to-face interactions. So I think that's a, a huge one to just be cognizant of. And again, touches to what we talked about earlier in the call in terms of like product marketing looks different everywhere and it will continue to evolve. I think even in today's world, it's becoming kind of more of a central focus for lots of different teams, even outside of marketing. And it's interesting just being a part of that real time. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the companies that were able to pivot to a more virtual focus right away seem to be the ones that were are doing the best. They didn't try to hold on to those old ways of doing things. And one thing I've noticed too is in terms of marketing is how good virtual events have gotten. Do you remember, you know, early, early spring 2020, they were terrible. It was so painful. There'd be like a hundred hours of content here. There are people were trying to just recreate the in-person events that you'd have at these huge, you know, conference centers and things. And people just don't have time for that. So I've really been impressed with how the production quality has really gone up for all of these events, how they've really kind of figured out what the best types of content to even have are. And you know, a lot of product marketing work goes behind the scenes on really distilling that and figuring out if someone's going to spend a precious hour, let alone four hours at your event, never three days, that's not going to happen, right? Like we thought in the beginning, how are they going to be 
engaged and how are they going to be involved with that throughout it? So that's one really tactical thing I've noticed that I'm happily surprised by and just opens up the world. You can attend any kind of conference every week if you want just to be able to learn more. But I think that's something that I hope continues in the future. I hope the virtual events continue as part of everything that we've been working on. Oh, I totally agree. And the aspect of accessibility just makes it so much more impactful, you know, even in in your area of expertise. I'd also say I personally feel like there's a lot of enterprise marketing that is just now getting to the same playing field as consumer marketing, but COVID and the shift to digital really emphasize that. We're not marketing to an organization that's walking down the hall in an expo that's trying to talk to us. You know, we are marketing to people and that element of personalization, the importance of high production value and what that experience is like and you know, making digital experiences just as impactful or if not more impactful than face-to-face is so important. And I think it's really pushed marketers to bring that level of innovation and personalization to everything that you're doing, which is where having strong digital understanding of how these channels operate and what it takes to be successful is so important. Such a good point. Yeah. You can't rely only on the whining and dining from the slick salesperson. It has yes. to be personalized marketing experience and something that is, has many touch points and is really relevant to them. So yeah, that's such a good point. I hadn't really put that together, but love that insight. I want to talk a little bit about your PMM superpowers. So thought leadership and campaign execution. Can you talk about how you've gotten good at both of those and how they're related? Yeah. So ultimately, when I think of thought leadership, I I think about the importance of having a vision, right? And really as an organization, putting your flag in the ground and saying, this is, you know, what we stand for. And this is the direction that we're going in because ultimately for other enterprises, they might be buying the products that you're offering today, but they're also investing in a relationship with you for the future. And we've all kind of dealt with vendors. It's really difficult to even change in your personal life, like your cell phone carrier and things like that. People don't want to do that. You don't want to set yourself up to have to find a, another vendor later. So I've always, you know, even in my demand gen background, just been really passionate about, Hey, we have to have, you know, something that we're saying that makes us stand out and be, and I also had the pleasure of, of being able to be part of lots of big acquisitions and understanding what other companies visions and kind of their central message looked like. And just watching that process weave out just really to me solidify the importance of it. So that's one of the reasons why I I think it's my superpower, just because I I was exposed to it from different perspectives pretty early on. That's so great. It's cool. You've been able to thread everything between all of the different types of marketing roles that you have. I'm sure even social media played a huge element in that messaging piece. And then of course, demand gen and now with product marketing, it all has kind of evolved, but you're able to bring it to a new level at this PMM role. So I love that. Yeah. Reflecting and and looking at your journey as a whole is such a huge part of life, honestly, for me. And I just, the more that I've let myself lean into that, the more success that I've seen and the faster that it's happened for me, you know, so probably my biggest recommendation is to like, Hey, take a couple minutes to zoom out and, and think back. That's wonderful. Well, now it's time for our rapid fire questions. So first up, I wanted to hear about any product marketing or marketing mentors that you've had along the way. 
I think that I've just been like really lucky in life and I've had incredible coworkers that I've worked with, but particularly leaders. I've had some really inspiring women who I've been able to see come in and really own space and take up space and be proud of it. So, you know, my previous role, our CMO, Max Swanson at the time was huge for me in terms of just being able to see what it takes to be successful at that level. And I also had another mentor when I was actually on the demand gen team, she was leading product marketing. Her name was Michelle Cobb and she was just an engine. You know, her ability to just get things done and handle an insane amount of launches and all of these acquisitions and driving demand at the same time. That was so inspiring to me to just see someone able to kind of juggle all the plates um, all at once, which is such a talent. And then most recently I had two amazing mentors. One of them, Chris Glansman, he really taught me the importance of the demand gen side of things and why it's so important to be inquisitive and ask questions. And I feel like that's been such a huge contributor to my success. And then Adam O'Brien was really the one that pushed me to take chance on myself and push forward and, and jump into product marketing, which was huge. And I'm so grateful for it. So I just feel like I've had the luck of the draw thus far with just having people that both championed me and mentored me, but, but really pushed me. I was able to kind of absorb all of their amazing qualities. What a wonderful board of mentors or yes. support network. <laughs> That's so great. Love it. And kind of moving on from the mentors and certainly this could be part of it, but what would you say is the one thing that has been the most important for you in terms of growing your career? That's a good question. Again, it's hard to distill anything down to one thing, right? Because you know it's all a product of everything. But for me, it's the relationship building. I think it's very easy when you are brought in to do a particular role, especially as an individual contributor, to just kind of be focused in your lane. By taking the time to ask questions about other projects that are going on, how you can get involved, really making yourself mentorable and opening yourself up to understanding other sides of the business and becoming a part of that internal conversation is really important. And I don't know, I feel like for me, that was like the secret key that really unlocked it was like investing in these relationships, asking questions, putting myself out there. To your point, there's really no stupid question, but I think a lot of times it's just, it's very easy to kind of put yourself in a box and, and put your head down and okay, I'm just going to do a really good job. And eventually I'll get there. It's so much easier to get ahead in your career. If you are putting yourself out there, you know, and that can just be as simple as asking someone in another department for five minutes just to chat through. I'm trying to understand this product or what this particular aspect of the organization does and opening yourself up in that way. So I guess it's, it's really just about being open. That's great. And I love your word being mentorable. I haven't heard yeah. that before. <laughs> That's great. Just being open to the opportunity to be coached and welcoming that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, and you probably know this being you know, in the place that you're at, but even at the highest level, you are still focused on your career, right? So in order for you to kind of see the flags come up of, okay, this person really wants me to reach out to them or wants you know, to understand how to elevate their career, you have to put your hand up, you know, it's like being in class. So I think there's an element there of just initial action and allowing people to see that you are 
really interested in kind of taking next steps and asking questions and, and putting yourself out there is important. That's such a good point. It never ends. <laughs> yeah, it never ends. <laughs> what about networking? Love it, hate it? Do you do it in these virtual times? What's your approach? I wouldn't say that I love it, but I do think it's necessary. And I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. So it takes a lot for me to put myself out there, but I force myself to do it. I mean, I think especially in a virtual world, it's even more important. In some ways, it's probably easier, right? You know, we're used to interacting with people digitally in our social lives. And it's not that different professionally, but joining groups on LinkedIn, being active, kind of understanding who are thought leaders within your space, going back to why thought leadership is important. I mean, platforms like this, really just trying to understand how other people feel about these concepts and, and what they have to say about it. And you know, trying to connect and have real conversations with people, I think is really important, but it really just takes, again, being open, putting yourself out there, which is, sounds really simple, but can be extremely challenging. It's so interesting. You say you're an introverted extrovert. I kind of feel the same way. And I feel like a lot of the women I've been talking to on the show describe themselves as that. It's funny (laughs) because I think we come across as total extroverts sometimes, but there's a lot more of the introvert, the cuspiness, but yes, I've been hearing similar themes about networking. It's sort of necessary in finding the way that it makes you feel the, the most connections and you know, not necessarily going to those huge conferences and having a glass of wine with a hundred other people anymore. It's kind of making those one-on-one connections in the best way that you can. And I love the concept about joining groups and connecting with people with shared interests too. I think that makes it a lot easier for sure. All right. Last question for you, Ashley, why product marketing? When I was looking at my career and, you know, ultimately where I wanted to go, Product marketers are kind of like the composers in the symphony, right? They are moving almost kind of behind the curtain in most instances and directing everybody else so that they can do their best job in playing their instrument or executing in their channel. And for me, I really loved that's what it was at its core. And that's what excited me about it. And I've only found that to be more true as kind of I've charted on this path of being a product marketer. Thank you so much, Ashley. Well, it's been so wonderful getting to talk to you. Congratulations on all of your achievements so far. You have such an amazing career ahead of you and we'll certainly be watching out for your CMO role. So keep us posted. Remember the little people. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful and for creating a platform where women can share and, and benefit from our experiences. So thank you. Of course. Thank you. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, HighSpot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Next week, we explore bringing new product lines to market with Jenna Crane, the Director of Product Marketing at Clavio. Thank you so much for all of your support and catch you all next week.